Hey, how many of you guys want grace and peace multiplied in your lives? Okay, here's what it is. It's, it says, from the knowledge of the Lord and Jesus Christ. And the word knowledge means an intimacy with. So it's not your praying, it's not your fasting, it's not your Bible reading, it's not your Bible understanding, any of that. And that's where I, I really kind of get nervous when I start digging into these scriptures because they're cool to me, all these types and shadows. But I think then some people feel, oh no, I don't know enough. I go, hey, uh, if, you, if you can experience love and empathy, you know him. That's it. He, he, he's, he's love and nothing else. Does that make sense? Because I grew up with he's love, but he's also just, and he's irritated, and he's going to penalize somebody. Thank God for Jesus, because at least he didn't penalize me. Nothing could be further from the truth. He's always been love, and that's what he said. He goes, you know what? Uh, when, you turn from, when you turn from my light, it says the light shines in darkness, and you can't comprehend it. But it was always true about you. And so um, once you realize that, he goes, you know what? Once you see the light, what's always been true about you, with the Holy Spirit, he goes, now you can start to experience life how I've always intended it, where there was no separation, and, um, and go from there. But it says, grace and peace are multiplied. See, God's extravagant, just like we were saying. He's not stingy, etc. And I think sometimes our experiences, because we've fed on the wrong thing for so long, and we start looking at what's going on in our life, and then we go, you know what? Um, I must be doing something wrong. That's what I was trying to tell you. You're not doing anything wrong. It's just, just we start to get inward focused, and we start dwelling on the wrong thing, and, and we call it worry. It's really meditating on the wrong thing. So it starts to build up. Does that make sense? And so that's just, that's darkness is all it is, is we've turned from him. And so when it says, when, it, when you can see what's already true about you, but I wanted to read this to you. I've got a little bit more. Uh, I found this after I made this slide, but it's from uh, uh, Francois de Troyes, His Divine Embrace, who's the, the author of the Mirror Translation. And um, boy, you want to get in trouble with the religious guys. Tell them you read the Mirror Bible and God loves people. <laughs> Woo! Those are fighting words to uh, seminaries. So, man, it's, just, it's the craziest thing to me. It's a, you, you talk about God's angry and he, he hates people and going to send them to hell. Yes, yes. And then you go, no, no, no. We had it all wrong. He loves people and he's good. And, oh, man, you feel the wrath come out. So, anyway, this is, I thought this was so good. It says religion thrives on two lies, distance and delay. Distance means separation, right? That our sins separated us from God. Most of us taught that. Nothing could be further from the truth. He is the creator of all things, and all of creation is within him, is what it said. So anything that's created, is there anything outside of him? No. So when he says, I came and I, God was in Christ reconciling the creation to of himself, so go share this message of reconciliation, it's just better news than what we were ever taught. It's actually really good news. In fact, uh, this, this kind of became real to me. We were at the game this week, and I'm not going to say the denomination, but a pretty prominent denomination. These guys were sitting behind us, and you know they were talking about doing things and, and God and you know all they're doing for Jesus and everything else. Kind of like merit badges, you know. And uh, see, this is what I'm doing for God. And, and Peter said, unless you realize how much He did for you, what He told Peter, because Peter said, you know what, I need to serve you, God. And what Jesus told Peter, He said, listen, unless you realize I'm the servant to you. You can't partake of me. And so these guys were comparing merit badges, you know, what they're doing for God. And, and, uh, and mentally, I was just sitting there. I told Barb, I go, you know what? I, I would love to turn around and I go, hey, what's the gospel? And they couldn't share it with me, I guarantee you, because of the denomination. And I go, isn't that sad that it wasn't just, you know what? He loves you perfectly. He's forgiven you for everything. And you have nothing to worry about. You're in him. And he loves you. You're in a marriage union with Jesus Christ. That's the good news, isn't it? 
And so, man, I just know they, they would be embarrassed to try share what they were going to share. They'd have to send me through an 11-week course to try share the gospel. Didn't you guys all do that? Okay, now that you're saved, now you need to know how, how good it is. And then they spend you 12 weeks in a course. Then by the end of the 12 weeks, you go, this sucks. I, I was happy before this. And so um, I'm trying to get you happy again, okay? <laughs> There's no bad news in the good news. It's just simplicity to me. So anyway, hey, the, the religion thrives on two lies, distance and delay. Um, hey, you can be separated from God. That's a lie. And also, you're not there yet. He's still coming. Right? All these different things. And he goes, no, he was the end of times. And he's the, he's the telos times. He's the beginning and the end. And it was in him. And all of everything. In fact, Scripture says this. If any man be in Christ, what, what's true? The new creation has come, as if you go look at it. So most people are still waiting for it. And they're fighting over Israel over it. Right? He goes, no, no, no. The new creation, the new temple, the new heaven and earth is who? You. In the beginning, what happened? God created the heavens and the earth. And what's the ending going to be? The new heaven, new earth. And if any man be in Christ, you are it. Emmanuel, God with us, dwells in us. Amen? That's the whole thing now. I'm like, gosh, I get this thing. This is actually really good news. And so anyway, so religion thrives on two lies, distance and delay. Yet God took the initiative to cancel every possible definition of distance. Jesus' brilliant act of salvation was to redeem our oneness. John 14, 20 says, in that day when I send the Holy Spirit, you'll know that I am in you and you are in me. It was a, and Paul says it was a mystery hidden from the foundations of the world, but revealed to us now that Christ was always in us and through us. And I'm going to send the Spirit now where instead of you think that I'm an angry God, that you can call out to me and go, you're my dad? Abba, Father. See, they never had a relationship with him as dad. They always had angry God on a hill. Does that, does that make sense? Doesn't that sound like a lot of Christianity today? God's angry, man. You better say the magic words. And thank God I did because I'm going to be spared now. What a bad gospel. What a, and so, you know, we make up these weird theologies that I've been talking about because we, even us, like if you go look at Augustine, who really kind of came up with this whole idea of you can be separate, sin separated you from God. And, and uh, the only place in scripture where we even talks anything near it is it says it happened in your mind. It never truly happened. You thought you were separated in your mind. That's why metanoia is, hey, change your thinking. Jesus came to demonstrate there's a different, there's a different, uh, there's a different, what's that, how's that saying go? There's a different sheriff in town, right? There's a whole new way to think. None of you have seen me. Abraham didn't see me. Moses didn't see me. Nobody, nobody saw me. And I would just say, nobody saw me clearly who I truly was. So you had all these angry theologies and he goes, I'm going to come and show you that all of that was wrong. You've heard it said this, but I say this. And he did it over and over and over. So anyway, um, hey, there's no distance. There's no delay. Now distance is replaced with oneness. What he's trying to say is, you never could be separated, that you're one with me. When I send the Holy Spirit in that day, you're going to know I'm in you and you're in me. Christ in you, the confident expectation of glory. How is God glorified unless he saves you? He's not, he, nothing will glorify him if he misses one sheep. He's the shepherd that'll leave 99 to go get the last one. He's the one that'll leave nine coins to get the last coin. Does that make sense? All right, so Stephen, I think we were talking about that even at uh, uh, the feeding of the 5,000. He said, you know what? Get the 12 fragments in the 12 baskets. 12 is always the inclusive number of everything. The government. So he goes, no, nothing was left behind. 
that beautiful? That's beautiful to me. So now distance is replaced with one of the most intimate romances now is, is ours now and for all eternity. The thought of you intrigues our maker with delight. And then he says this, which is, uh, the, the, the mission of Jesus was not to begin the Christian religion, but to reveal and redeem the image and likeness of God in human form. He did not come as an example for us, but as us. Hallelujah, man. Oneness is not the end result of our diligent striving that would be religion. Oneness is the fruit of his labor and initiative and announces our moment-by-moment point of departure in this life. Intimate romance is now ours for all eternity. You're married to him now and for all of eternity. Nothing that you can ever do can make you more God's and nothing that God can ever do make make him more yours. Faith is my glorious awakening to the fact that my maker is mindful of me. He cares about me. He'll do anything to redeem me. He cannot get me out of his mind. Jesus is what God believes about you. Jesus is God's mind made up about the human race. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? Man, that's so good. So anyway, um, let's, let's, uh, you can hit that next slide. Here's what I wanted to share with you. Um, I was just telling Jeff, I go, I hate titles because everything changes when I'm up here. I just start thinking about different things. And, and, uh, but here, I was thinking about this today. You know, um, I think we all wrestle with some form of lack. It's just wrong thinking whether it's lack of joy or relationships or love, or whether it's lack of health, we're worried about, hey, maybe we don't have health, or we're lack of provision, et cetera, and all of it's just this from position of lack. It's, it's, it's nothing true about God. It's our darkness. Does that make sense? And, and the biggest thing I, I hope that you get is don't, don't feel bad about yourself. It's just we didn't believe. God goes, forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. <laughs> we're kind of a mess, Right? And he goes, I've come to show you what's really true about you. So it's not your faith level or anything like that. So what I, that's what I really don't want you to get because we all wrestle with something like this. It's always position of lack. The men that Adam and Eve ate from the wrong tree, they separated themselves from God in their minds. God didn't separate. What's, he, he, they, were, they were always loved. They were always perfect. They were always in him because all things are through and withheld in, in him. There's nothing that's created that's outside of him. The pagan thought was, I can create something that's over there and it exists by itself, and I'm over here, God, and, and then religion is, how do I get back? Right? So then they give you a 12-week course once you get saved on how to get back. And what they should be going is, Jesus got you back. In fact, you were never gone. It was just, he, was, he died for you to show you all he had to do was conquer sin and death. So he's God, so he can't die. Does that make sense? How does, how does God die He's life. He's life and resurrection. So if he's going to conquer death, how does he die? You know, I, I remember wrestling this all the time with Barbara. I was like, why did he have to die? Because I always heard that. He had to die. Did God have to die? Never. No. He, didn't have, he doesn't have to do anything, right? He's the I am. I, no, I don't have to do anything. Why did he die then for us? He gave himself up for us. So he became a man. He had to become a man to die because he's, di- he's God. He can't die. Does that make sense? So it says the incarnation. He became a man so that he could die. And then he went down into death. And what did he do when he was down in hell or Sheol? Preached. And what happened? He led captivity captive. He blew the doors off of sin and death. You're free from the law of sin and death. You're free. So you don't have anything to worry about. You don't even have to. Hey, when you die, this physical death, what happens? You're going to be more alive. That's what, that's what he was trying to show you. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead shall also quicken your mortal body. This, this, this body dies in corruption, but it says it's raised in incorruption. That'll be really cool, guys. You can all finally eat like me. 
you run right through the wall. That's true. Like, what, what did Jesus do? That's, that's us, man. He can eat, right? And uh, that's kind of cool to me. So you can guys go to the buffets. So anyway, isn't that funny? Mark and I were joking about that. When you're little, you have to tell the kids, go to sleep and eat. When you're old, everything we want to do is sleep and eat, right? Isn't that true? <laughs> little kids, you have to make them come in. Hey, eat. No, it's only nine. Well, you haven't eaten since nine. Oh, no, oh, really? And then we have to go, go to bed. Now Barbara and I find ourselves like, what time is it? It's 10. We're going to bed? <laughs> and it's strange. So to be, hey, man, I just want to live life again. So anyway, we, the reason I put quotes in lack is because it's not true. Does that make sense? We experience these, these things, but he says, you know what? It's just nothing can separate you. That's, that doesn't... That doesn't mean anything that you've done anything wrong. In fact, I still love you. Nothing could ever separate from you. Is I want you to awake to what's already true about you. That's what light is. So God's not withholding anything good from you. That's religion. Hey, if you need to do these things or don't do these things, he needs to be able to trust you before he does this. We kind of covered that last week. You guys get that? He's not withholding anything good. Who's withholding it? Just us, our hearts, Right? It's the condition of our heart. So my job is to try to get you to the condition of your heart is that you're perfect in him, lacking nothing. He loves you perfectly. You're forgiven perfectly. And you can expect goodness. You can expect nothing but good out of him. Follow me? There's no, there's no shadow of darkness. There's nothing. All he is is love. Perfect. perfect. He's love personified in Jesus. So if you want to know what the Holy Spirit and the Father are like, look at Jesus. He's exactly like Jesus. Does that make sense to you guys? And all Jesus did is gave freely and disqualified people that were teaching you have to do something to get the free stuff. The religious guys is who he really got after. He said, stop telling people they have to be anything or do anything that their behavior is withholding any blessing from me. Isn't that what he said? Hey, why are you putting these heavy weights on people that you yourselves can't even do, acting like you're better than everybody else? So that's, that's what he, that's the only, he'll never change. That's what he was. Like, you know what, I resist the proud. That doesn't mean like, um, I'm proud of my kids or things like that. It means, I'm self-righteous, so I'm a little bit better than the sinner. Follow me? And I was kind of the guys at the stadium that when they were wearing their merit badges. And I was like, guys, man, that's not what it's about. You know, it's like, what, did you hear about so-and-so? I just hate that kind of stuff. I'm like, I wanted to turn around and go, did you hear about you? <laughs> you sinner, you prostitute, you murderer, you, well, I don't do it. I didn't do anything that. Just like the rich guy, you're like, oh, man, you're gossiping, so you've done it all. I wanted to hit him with the back, so I was at the game, and then, I had to wait, wait a minute. <laughs> they're, they're, that's me. Now I'm doing exactly what I don't want them to do. So I get it. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm yelling at myself too. Like, but isn't that hard? That's hard to go, God, you self-righteous turd, you. I just want to, oh, it's one of the hardest things for me. Huh? I did it. It's okay. It's a farm word. It's a different four-letter word. So, although we typically used other four-letter words on the farm. And so, in fact, Brad, you're, you've done construction. You ever hear a farm word on a construction site? Never. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> in fact, I was doing a job. Barb knows this one. He's, this guy was trying to be really good, and there was this ladder, and he had a nail gun, one of the big ones, like the, this, the big nail, the, you know, the framing guns, like shoot all the way across the wall. You know? And so he moved the ladder, and it fell on his head. And you heard every non-Christian farm word come out of him. That stuff makes me laugh, actually. I go, see, see, 
what's, come, what's, that, what's in there is coming out. So anyway, hey, relax. He loves you perfectly despite all that. So, all right, what he really wants you to know is you're in union with him. He wants to be persuaded of his love and goodness now, not, not sometime in the future. You can experience life now is what he's trying to say. When Jesus came to them, they were all expecting something in the future, and what did he tell them? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's right here. See, they were, experienced, they were looking for something physically to change before they believed the truth. Does that make sense? And Jesus comes and he goes, no, the kingdom of heaven is what? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the spirit realm, in the Holy Spirit is what it says. So because it's not the physical thing. But once you get the physical right, the phys- the, once you get the spiritual, the, the, the heart right, guess what happens to the physical? Changes. So they're looking, most of us are doing this. We're waiting for the physical to change to have joy. And he goes, no, experience joy now and then the physical will change. Does that make sense to you guys? Or we go, you know what? As soon as I see that money in the bank, then I'll, then I'll feel prosperous. And what does he say? No, you're, you're, you're righteous. You're righteous. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. His righteousness is what? Do you have to work for it? No, it's a free gift. So he goes, seek his righteousness. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to those who believe. That's what he said. Hey, I'm righteous because of one man's obedience. Your obedi- How much does your obedience have to do with your righteousness? Zero. Ooh, that'll get you thrown out of a church meeting too. Because you know what? It takes away their merit badge, like I was talking about. It takes away their, their self-righteousness. And go, man, I, except for the grace of God, that's what I look like. We all have the capacity to be really dark, don't we? And that's where the compassion comes. We go, man, if, thank God that I believe a little bit of the right stuff. I'm not saying I believe it perfectly because none of us do. It says we, don't, we all see with a veil. And, uh, but then when we're, when we're in his nearness or perusia is what it says, then you're going to see him perfectly like, oh, this is what I've been? That's what, I, that's what I've, you've tried to show me? Because, yeah, I tried to show you what your life looks like. When you look at me, you're looking at you. It's like, wow, that's really cool. So... Anyway, um, and I think, uh, I just put this in there too, because I think when we talk about um, he'll provide for you, he'll heal for you, I just think we, we have this weirdness yet where it's based on our ability to produce some kind of a faith or level. And faith, if you really understand it, is a persuasion of the heart. And what he's trying to show you is, like Romans talks about, every, all in Scripture it says the same thing, basically. It says, if I died for you, then you can trust me. If I'm willing to go to the lengths of God who cannot die, will figure out a way to die and destroy death, then I can figure out how to get you out of any other situation that you can ever imagine. Does that make sense? He's trying to show you his love for you, that you can be persuaded of his faithfulness. And I think religion's turned it back on ourselves where it's our faithfulness or our level. And so it's always this distance or delay again, like Francois de Troyes talking about. Well, if I pray in tongues enough, it'll increase my faith. I just haven't seen it. Maybe you're the one. I just, don't, I just don't see it, to be honest with you. When you're persuaded of his love, is that's when I see things change. In fact, I know when, when I see the shoulders come down and, and they either weep or they're like, oh, man. I, oh, the heart, something just happened in the heart. That's where I know they've touched it. Does that make sense to you guys? Whereas all these external things, you really, I, I don't know if anything's touched here yet, but I can, you can feel it, can't you? When you're around somebody and like they hear the gospel for the first time in their life, like, you mean he loves me perfectly? In fact, I was watching this thing by, um, by Paul Young, the author of The Shack. 
And he was saying that when he goes into these prisons, um, what the men and women want to know is they go, hey, we got this question in the shack where Papa is fond of me because they've done things in their life that they're embarrassed of. And we all have, actually. So they just did it to a different level and were incarcerated. But that's the human life. It was, they want to know that he still loves me and he's, he's proud of me. Isn't that what any little kid wants? And it's fascinating to me, like when you look at orphanages in the Eastern Bloc and different things, when the kids aren't loved by somebody, they actually die. Because we're designed to operate in love. And if those little kids aren't, if they're in the cribs, and if they don't experience love, if they just give them food and sustenance, they die. But when they experience, somebody loves me, and that's our job, guys. That's our job. Does that, does that make sense? So anyway, I just want to share something with you. This is where the... Uh, I'll read a couple of scriptures out of here. I want to share. This is where I love quantum physics and spirituality. You care if I share a couple of things? Because here, here's, th- this is the frustrating part to me, is science gets it and Christianity doesn't get it most of the time. I'm like, it's all a heart issue. All of us are kind of knuckleheads and we need to break up this heart and get it, us to believe the right thing. But some of you guys have heard me talk about the split plate theory. You guys heard me talk about that? Here, here's, here's the reality of it. Uh, it's really, it's, it's, it's heart math, it's love code, it's healing code. I just, I just found two more articles. And I was like, God, this is it. And they do it sort of in non-science language. So, but uh, uh, the double slit experiment, just imagine this. So there's, there's, a, there's a piece of metal with two slits in it, and they shoot light at it, basically. And then they have a, a measuring device on the back, like photoelectric paper, that if, there's, if you shoot a beam of light, through one of the slits and not the other, what would you expect it to look like on the photo paper? Right where it went through, right? Now here's what's wild about it. When you put an electron microscope and measure that light, you know what it does? It behaves. It's one, it's one block of light, not two, even though there's two slits. When you take the electron microscope off it and you don't measure it, you know what it does? It's a wave. And they do it over and over. So I was just, God, this is so cool. So what does that mean in spirituality? It means our heart, spiritual things, what we believe affects physical things. Not the other way around. So religion's busy with changing your behavior. Hey, if you do these things better, then God will do this for you. No, he's going, you know what? You're, you're righteous, meaning likeness. You're, you're like me. So when you realize that you operate in love, every, I've designed you where your creativity, your healing mechanisms, everything in your body starts to come to life and you start to experience it. Does that make sense? So but let me just read this. The double split experiment was first performed by Thomas Young in 1801. They call it Young's experiment or Young's slits. In the basic version of the experiment, a coherent light source such as a laser beam, so just to think of a beam of light, illuminates a plate pierced by two parallel slits. <laughs> Science writing. I just go, shoot a light at a plate with two holes in it, right? And the light passing through those holes is observed on a screen behind it. And basically what it says, it operates as a physical thing, a particle, and operates also as a spiritual thing, a wave that has a frequency. That's Einstein's energy equals mass. They're, they're equivalents, right? And so it says, furthermore, versions of the experiment that include detectors, meaning if you measure the, the light going through these two holes, here's what it says. Versions of the experiment that include detectors at the slits find that each detected photon, which is just a packet of light, that act, so light acts like, it actually acts like a particle and acts like a wave. I might be losing some of you, but it's really kind of cool. 
So it means that nothing's really solid. That chair operates like a wave, and what I believe in my heart can affect that thing. Does that make sense? So, however, so he's saying, hey, you know what? When you, when you monitor it, um, it behaves how it's supposed to behave, but when you, uh, uh, when you don't monitor it, it just behaves. It, it, it does this. It's an infinite of possibility. What do you want me to be? You haven't told me which slot to go through, so I went through both. <laughs> Crazy, right? And here's what it says. However, such experiments demonstrate that particles do not form this wave pattern if one detects which slit they pass through. So if you measure, hey, I'm only going to shoot this light through here, and you measure it, it behaves how you want it. You take the measurement device out, you shoot the same light at that hole, it goes through both. I love this stuff. I really do. Because to me, it's like, wow, we really are fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, I just want to read this other one because this one does a better job of, like, speak English, okay? So, quantum theory demonstrated. (laughs) Observation affects reality. So what you believe affects what you see. That's, That's how I'd summarize it. So, what we believe affects us. We are righteous, meaning we were created in his likeness is what it said. What we believe in our heart affects physical things, not the other way around. We think, oh no, something's happening to us. I must be sinning. And then you go to church and they go, you must be sinning. Or you don't have enough faith, which is sin. Just the same thing. (laughs) Oh, geez, right? I can't go right. So I get it. Hey, punt on third, man. It's easier. Just, it's a lot easier. That was was my whole theory. Like, I'm just going to have a lot of fun. And then at the end, I'm going to get my little... I'll say the magic words when I'm ready, guys. So if that's all it takes for me to be saved, piece of cake, man. I'm just going to go party hard and have fun, and I'll say the magic words later. Enjoy yourself. So here's what it says. In a study reported in the February 26th issue of Nature, this is in 1998, the, the Weizmann Institute of Science, good Jewish boy, have, have now conduct, conducted a highly controllable experiment demonstrating how a beam of electrons is affected by simply observing it. I mean, if you measure it, if I would say... When you expect it to happen this way, guess what it does? It happens that way. When you take the measurement device off, it goes, you haven't told me what to be yet, so I'll just be a wave. I can be anything you want me to be. Does that make sense? So when a quantum observer, meaning you're, you're, you're the smallest parts of life, basically. So it says... Uh, uh, says this, the, the Weissman Institute of Science have now conducted a highly controlled experiment demonstrating how a beam of electrons is affected by simply observing it. The experiment revealed that the greater the amount of observing, the greater the influence on what actually takes place. So I mean, if you pay close attention, it actually behaves even more and more how you want it to behave. What a quantum observer is watching, when a quantum observer is watching quantum mechanics, states that particles can also behave as waves. So meaning physical things aren't really physical. They also are a waveform. They're whatever you want me to be. We're created in his image. So this can be true for electrons at the submicron level, meaning one thousandth of a millimeter. We can't even imagine how small that is. When behaving as waves, they simultaneously pass through several openings, meaning that the same particle goes through two things at once. What? Right? So, when behaving as waves, they simultaneously pass through several openings in a barrier and then meet again on the other side as if they were always one. This meeting is known as interference. I would just say wave pattern. So, strange as it may sound, interference can only occur when no one is watching. (laughs) 
This is just got, and that's, this is what freaked out Einstein and everybody go, hey, the more we know, this is just crazy talk, you know? There's something else going on here that we don't understand. And so guess what it is? The light shines in darkness. He's in and through and withholds all things. He's in everything. So once an observer begins to watch the particles going through, meaning once, once I observe something physically, the picture changes dramatically. If a, particle can be, if a particle of light can be seen going through one of the openings, it's, then it's clear it didn't go through the other. In other words, when under observation, electrons are being forced to behave like particles, not waves. We determine the physical by what we believe in our heart. Thus, the mere act of watching affects the experimental findings. I just wrote, what we believe affects physical things. Isn't that cool? See, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. So why do we need to know that God's not mad? Because there's only two sources. There's fear and there's love. And you guys have read all the books like I have. We're designed to be operating in love. There is no really dark, evil things. It's the lack of light. Because I think that's one of the things, like, why did God create evil. He didn't. It's our lack of light. Does that make sense? We can't see is what's true. It says the light shines in the darkness, but you don't see it. I'm in and through and withholds everything. So we got people running around trying to defeat these demons, and he goes, it's just lack of light. He's taken the fearful design of human beings, and we've created the evil. Follow me? In fact, the, the, the father called it provincio boni, and it just means there's really no such thing as darkness. It's our lack of seeing that creates the darkness. When we don't operate in love, death happens. Evil happens, angry things happen, murder happens, all the works of the flesh. Does that make sense to you guys? So I'm trying to just show you, hey man, just the best you can. Operate in the here and now that he loves you perfectly and he sees you perfect. There's, there's you know, how, how radical is his forgiveness? He died for us. So there's nothing else you could do. I think the, the, the greatest sin we could ever do is kill him. Kill love. And then blame it on him. That's what we did. Hey, God told us to do this. Right? And he goes, they just can't see, Father. Forgive them. So he's trying to show you how radical it is. So I just want to read a couple things out of the Mirror Bible. I didn't want to write it all, but um, this, is, this is huge to me. So let's, you guys all know this. 1 John 4. You guys heard a lot of people talk about this. As he is, so are you in this world, this cosmos, this creation. So as Jesus is, I'm just like him in this creation, is what it's saying. Whoa. Even your health, right? So here's, and I'm just going to read it out of the mirror translation just to really irritate the religious guys. So they don't love, they don't like that God's love. And thus we have come to know and believe that the love God has unveiled within us. That's what he said in John. He said, when I pour out the... See, Spirit, Jonathan Elizondo and I were talking about this, is I think people get confused. They go, they think they didn't have the Spirit before, but you were always in and through and withheld by a creator who is love. He's love and he's light, and you were in that. Now what he did pour out was this, the second definition of a Spirit is a belief system which brings things to life, which Scripture, or the strong, if you go look it up, the second definition of spirit is basically a, a strong belief system that brings things to life. Isn't that what we're talking about here? What we, believe, what we believe here produces physical things. Does that make sense? So what he said is he goes, you know what you didn't know is I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh, and that spirit is a spirit of not angry. What you, the whole Old Testament looks at me as angry and murderous and 
you know, God wanted me to kill all those people. And he goes, no, you've all missed me. I'm love and I'm light and I'm nothing else. I'm not, I'm not love and just. In fact, if, I'll show you one of these. I keep talking about it. I'll show you in scripture where his justice is mercy. Justice is not done until everybody's forgiven and there's mercy. That's his justice. See, we think justice is, yeah, get them, right? And that was the disciples. You know what? Hey, these people aren't listening to you, Jesus. You want us to pour all down the spirit of Elijah on these guys and burn them up? And he goes, no, 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 you don't know which spirit you're of. You're operating from a belief system that I'm angry. And that wasn't me. You guys get it? So the, the second definition of spirit is what you believe animates, basically. So if you believe God's angry, you know, what, you know what's going to animate? Your anger. You're going to be angry at everybody. If they didn't say the magic words, you'd be ticked. So just shove off the dust and stupid people won't believe my gospel. No, they're, they're, they're actually hearing God clearly. They're rejecting the God you presented. The, the gospel people, when you present him as he loves you perfectly and has forgiven you, man, it's hard to reject, actually. And thus we have come to know and believe the love that God has unveiled within us. God is love. Love is who God is. To live in the place of conscious, constant love is live immersed in God and to feel perfectly at home in his indwelling. Verse 17, so now with us awakening to our full inclusion in this love union. That's when I started out, he goes, religion says it's, it's a ways off, it's not done yet, and you can be separated from him. And he came to go, no, it's now, you can experience life now, and I'm showing you that you've never been separated from me, there's union. So our full inclusion in this love union, everything is perfect, its completeness is not compromised in contradiction. Our confident conversation echoes this fellowship even in the face of crisis, that's, that's often translated judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. Our lives are married in him. Verse 18, fear cannot coexist in this love realm. So love, you, when you read it in King James, it says this, love does what to fear? Perfect love casts out fear. And perfect love has no what in it? If we read the next one, judgment and fear of torment. Because that's what King James says. For fear cannot coexist in this love realm. The perfect union that we are talking about expels fear. Fear holds on to an expectation of crisis and judgment, which brings separation, in quotes, and interprets it as due punishment, a form of karma. It echoes torment and only registers in someone who does not realize the completeness of their love union with the Father, Son, and the Spirit in one another. Does that make sense? See, once we finally get what Jesus actually did, and he goes, you know what? God was in Christ reconciling the creation to himself. And there's nothing outside of creation that, there's nothing, there's nothing that can exist that's not within him. Follow me? So if he's redeemed creation, then who's, who's reconciled? Everybody. So go share the good news of reconciliation is what Romans says. Does that make sense? It says go share the gospel of this good news that God was in Christ. He died for you and you rose. So guess what your life, guess what your judgment's going to be? Life. Yeah, but I sinned. I know. He's conquered it. Does that make sense to you guys? Man, it's so easy to me now. I'm like, but I get it because I was in darkness too because I was taught all these weird things. And so I wanted to read one other thing here. This, I love this. So 2 Corinthians 5, then we're done. You guys okay with this? So here's what I'm trying to show you. Hey, you know what? The kingdom of God is within you. It's a belief system. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the spirit realm. It's believing that I am perfectly loved despite anything going on in my life. Ah, so if I can experience life right now, guess what happens? It changes physical things because love is a different frequency than fear. Follow me? Anyway, maybe not. So all right. 
I love this stuff. So anyway, let me read this. This is 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14. The love of Christ resonates within us. Mm, I love that, man, this waveform. The love of Christ resonates within us and leaves us with only one conclusion. Jesus died humanity's death. Therefore, in God's logic, if one died, all died. How many is outside of all? Okay, but then when they were in the grave, they jumped out. Because now that they jumped out, you got to say the magic words to get back in. See, the lie is distance. You can be separated. That was the lie. Follow me? So, verse 15. Now, if we were all included in his death, then the guys that jumped out need to get back in. No, it's not what it says. It says, uh, now, if we, <laughs> now if we're all included in his death, they were equally... Actually, when I turn on Christian TV now, it actually kind of makes me laugh. I, I used to get really angry, and now I'm happy. So, I'm going, gosh, man, I'm just crazy talk. So... Now, if we are all included in his death, they were equally included in his resurrection. The unveiling of his love redefines human life. Whatever reference we could have of ourselves outside of our association with Christ is no longer relevant. And that's what it says. He goes, we don't judge Christ in the flesh anymore. We don't look at him as just a man or a Jew. Follow me? What do we look at him as? That was love and God personified and all humanity was wrapped up in him. doesn't matter if you're a Jew, Gentile, all of it. And so if you go to this next verse, it says... This is our radical and our most defining moment. No label that could possibly previously identify someone carries any further significance. I think he's talking about the flesh. Even our pet doctrines of Christ are redefined. Whatever we knew about him historically or sentimentally is challenged by this conclusion. By discovering Christ from God's point of view, we discover ourselves and every other human life from God's point of view. Paul sees by revelation that what Jesus redeemed in every person brings absolute closure and death to any other reasoning and judgment we have had of ourselves or anyone else for that matter. This is our metatoia moment, our metanoia moment. Change how we think, right? Because guess what? When we change how I think, what happens? The spiritual controls the physical. So if we start to experience love right now, what happens? Grace and peace are multiplied in our lives. We're trying to pray to God to get God to, to multiply grace and peace. Lord, do this for me. He's like, you don't understand. I sit outside of time. I already did it. And I've, I've, I've created you in my likeness where you can co-create with me. What, when you experience love and get rid of all the other nonsense, guess what? You start to produce like I produced. You start to live in likeness with me. Man, it's cool to me. Now, in the light of your co-inclusion in his death and resurrection, whoever you thought you were before, in Christ you are a brand new person. That's where it says, you know what? If, if any man be in Christ, the new creation has come. Follow me? Everybody's still waiting for it. They're going to fight over Israel for it. So the old ways of seeing yourself and everyone else are over. Acquaint yourself with this, just, with this news. Basically, all things are done. So verse 18, the idea of mankind's co-inclusion in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is entirely God's doing. Now, to now realize that God has indeed brought final closure to the old, and for us to see everything and everyone in this new light is to simply see what God has always known to be true about us in Christ. We are not demanding human experience, opinion, or contribution. This is exactly what God believes. In Jesus Christ, God exchanged equivalent value to redeem us to himself. He went to, and this is where it says, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. He went to the highest extreme in the act of reconciliation to persuade us. God didn't need to be pacified in his anger, taken care of. He was not a grumpy old senior citizen. He was happy, right? So, He's, he's trying to convince us of our original worth. I will die for you. That's I'll go to the ends of the earth and do everything for you. This God has given us the mandate and the ministry of reconciliation is what it says. Just Romans says the same thing. 
Our ministry declares that Jesus did not act independently of his Father. God was hanging on that tree with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were all hanging on that tree. Not this stuff that you see where Jesus is hanging on the tree and then God's angry, whip, you know, lightning, all this stuff. So, the incarnation did not separate the Father from the Son and the Spirit. In him dwells the fullness of God in the human body. As a human person, Jesus felt the agony of fallen humanity on the cross when he echoed Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me from the words of my groaning? But then when you read the end, it says, By verse 24, David declares triumphantly, He has not despised or heard the affliction of the afflicted. He has not hid his face from him. He has heard when he cried out. And if we cry out, what does he do? He answers. Amen? You guys get it? So you can go to that last slide. You can you get to your feet. Oh, man, I'm trying to, trying to show you that it's finished. The, the lie of separation, the lie that he could be mad at you, the lie that he does anything but perfectly loves you is, is just a lie. There's nothing further from the truth. And so that's what religion thrives on, those two lies. We're separated from him and not yet. If you do these things, then. No, no, it's true now. Does that make sense to you guys what I'm trying to share with you? When we start, when we do our best to operate in love now, and it's not trying to produce it or read the Bible more or anything like that. In fact, I see that hinder a lot of people where they try to do and they're trying to do it in their willpower. And I've talked about that. I'm just, I'm just like the worst prayer warrior. People go, God made me an intercessor. Praise God that he made you and not me. Because, oh, that's like, that's hell to me. You know, I'm like, I'm going to stay up six hours and pray. Jeez, man. Can I just have some chili cheese nachos and watch the game and just enjoy life? <laughs> no, you need to fast. Oh, God, this Christian thing's not cut out for me. So uh, <laughs> it's just, I just, it's not me. It's just not me. I'm like, I, I want to experience life and life more abundantly. Don't we? Don't we all really? So, amen. Like, we've talked about that. It's just common sense, guys. When we have a Christmas celebration, we don't fast. Hey, I'm going to invite you over, and we're all going to go in our closet. We're not going to eat or drink anything. I'll avoid that party, right? So, now what do we do? We break out the stuff, like house fellowship, right? Let's, let's enjoy ourselves. So, hey, you don't need to wait. You're in perfect union. He said, the kingdom of God is at hand. It's present. It's, you don't have to wait for it. See, they were waiting for the physical things to change. They were looking for a conquering king. Yeah, for once, God's going to get these Romans. And everybody's going to see that we're it. Israel's the... Israel's the thing that the bag of chips and everything else. Does that make sense? And God goes, no, no, no. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that away from you because you were supposed to include all nations, but you think it's just about you. So I'm going to take your stewardship away. I'm going to give it to a people who didn't ask. Everybody. <laughs> right? Every that was outside the covenant is now in. And that's why I said the first will be last, the last will be first, meaning that everybody's equal today. So it doesn't matter how many merit badges you have or don't have. What's your reward at the end of the day? How much is he going to pay you? Same. And he goes, why are you mad at me when I'm the guy who created all this thing and I want to show mercy to all? Does that make sense to you guys? So he loves you perfectly. Hey, guess what? When you experience, he wants you to know that there's nothing outside of the realm that he will do for you. And you can trust him for that, not anything else, not your praying, fasting, none of that. It's his faithfulness that he wants you to be persuaded of. And the best way he could do it is he goes, I'm going to destroy sin and death and show you that couldn't even separate you. You think when you die, you know, you're going to be separated. 
but I'm going to show you that Jesus is going to rise again and humanity rose in him. So does that, does that help you guys? So guess what? How do you experience it now? The best way I can describe it is like through prayer and everything else is you, let's just take those three that I, I, I talked about. Lack of love, joy, relationships. Isn't that the problem with all of our relationships, Ashley? Right? All of our, all of our flaws, all of our, all of our lack of people skills, all of that comes from what are people going to think about me or how am I feeling? But when you feel perfectly loved, when you realize, when you try to experience his love now and go, man, I'm loved. Just, just do that for a while when you're at home. Like, I'm valuable, I'm loved. I'm valuable, I'm loved. Instead of picking up your Bible, instead of going right to prayer, instead of right to go into your devotional, just put some peppy music on it. I like, I like music, so if you don't like music, then don't do that. But I enjoy it, <laughs> so, right? And so I just, I just enjoy music. So I like to put music on, and I just go, you know what, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm bad to the bone, man, because I'm in you. I'm loved. I'm valuable. Man, you would die for me. I'm the sheep, the one that you would come. You would, you would die for me if I was the only guy on the planet. Wow. Who, then you start to get like David if you do it for a while. Who am I that you would sing over me and value me, right? That's what he wants you to get. Like, you're that valuable, and you're that precious to me. How will I not freely give you all things? That now you start to, that life starts to flow. And so the best way I do it is when I'm praying, I try to be in union with him. This is the best way I can do it. I just, you know what, Lord? I love what we're just, hallelujah. Certain songs just get to me like, like yeah, man, that's, that's beautiful. That's a good thing, right? Now you can also do it listening to 98.1. It's okay. It's a, the religious guy go turn that thing off. No, I enjoy it, man. I feel alive when I'm listening to this stuff, right? So anybody else relate to that? My mom told me cards, and that will send me to hell, but I, I experience life when I do it. <laughs> I actually do. Like, it's fun to me. I, I enjoy it. So, hey, he wants you to be persuaded of his love and goodness. That's what faith is. It's persuasion that nothing can separate you. He loves you now. So guess what? If you're, Because I think in relationships, sometimes I, I see this all the time. Barb and I went through this. If she changed this, then I would feel loved. And then she's going, if Mike would change this, then I would feel loved. And so what do we do? If you want your marriage to change, feel loved. Man, he loves me perfectly. He doesn't keep any record of wrong. And I got a pretty good record. Does that make sense? And you go, man, he would love me despite me. Now I feel loved. And guess what? She doesn't look so bad anymore. Man, I see all the great qualities in her. I didn't mean looks. Does that make sense? I, you know what I'm saying. It's like that wife or that we start comparing and man, if I had this and this, none of that is experience love now and your relationship will change. Follow me? So, hey, if I have this or my business does this, then I'm going to feel prosperous. No, no, no. Feel prosperity now, then your business will prosper. Does that make sense to you guys? Uh, what was the other one I put on there? Oh, health. So, uh, hey, if I'm healed, then I'll feel healed. No, you know what? Just feel loved. Just experience his love right now and just let it flow. So when you're praying for people, that's what I'm trying to show you. The best way I think prayer is how I summarize it is to go, I try feel it flowing out of my heart. So I do some things to kickstart it. That's why we do worship. Doesn't it get you, when you're doing corporate worship, doesn't it get you in a more environment like, man, he loves me. Follow me? That's the only reason we do it. And so do that. You know, that's why I would just, hey, if you, I, it, hey, if you're, if you're ones that, 
and you pick up your Bible and you study that thing for 15 minutes and you feel totally loved, do it. I just, it feels like work to me. I was like, oh, geez, my Bible reading time. Now I do it when I feel like it. Honestly, I go, oh, man, I wonder what this says. And then I'll go, then I'll look it up in the original translation with the church fathers and go, hallelujah, man. What a different feeling that is. So does that, does that help you? I'm not opposed to any of the stuff. But what he wants you to know is you're perfect right now despite any of that. And until you realize that, you're going to keep trying to get it from doing. And so just be. You're already loved, so be loved. You're already forgiven, so be forgiven. You're already holy, so be holy. You're already prosperous, so be prosperous. You're already healed, so be healed. That's all it is. Experience the I amness. Does that help you guys? It's just coming out of the heart. Sorry, I kept you a little long. Sorry. Red Sox lost today. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> oh, thank you, Father. So, <laughs> I love that stuff. Sorry, Tawana. The good guys lost. The good, the good guys won and the bad guys lost today. All right? So I think he loves it, man. So whatever your team is, uh, it'll be second place in heaven, but that's all right. So, uh, <laughs> huh? They still have a team? Oh, okay. All right. He's at Astro. So whatever. Some of you guys that are not sports guys hate it, I know. Well, do whatever you think. If you're a food guy, then hey, that's that. Oh, the do- no, the Dolphins don't have a prayer. Sorry, man. Even though I am a Dolphins fan, <laughs> the Dolphins just stopped trying 30 years ago. <laughs> Irritates me. So, hey, Father, just let any darkness be overcome by your perfect love today. That's what we're trying to show is, you know what? You, we, the kingdom of heaven is now. We don't have to wait or do to experience it. We can experience it right now. So, Father, just tell them that they're perfectly loved. They're radically forgiven. And all the benefits that come with that. When they feel loved, guess what? Grace and peace is multiplied in their lives. So, Father, thank you for radical things in their, their, their health, radical things. And they, no matter how much hope they have, you do exceedingly abundantly beyond it. No matter how they can imagine how good you are, you do exceedingly abundantly beyond it. So, Father, increase their hope, increase their imagination. No matter how big they want to make God, that's who he is. And more. So we just say thank you that that's who you are, God. There's no limit to your love for us. There's no limit to your radical forgiveness of us. There's no limit to your provision and healing. You freely give it all in Jesus' magnificent name. Amen, amen, amen. So, hey, be in the new creation. Just know that you're perfectly loved, forgiven, healed, prospered, the whole thing. We don't have to wait for any of it. It's now. Amen? All right, you're blessed in Jesus' name.